Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. This is Nicole's Gazing the show like a lot of times Who is gonna be chief of surgery Shana Rhymes wrote the show and it is really really good Meredith Grey Welcome to a new episode of Nicole's Grey's Anatomy. It's me, Nicole, talking here about Grey's Anatomy. This episode is so much fun, and it's something that we really haven't done before, which is that rather than talking about a character or a relationship, we talk about something more meta, the, the music. We're talking about it more as a viewer, the music in the world of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, our guest is an incredible musician, friend of Grey's, now a friend of mine, we met for the first time recording this podcast, uh, Steph Knipe. They are the head of, oh, I'm not a musician. They're like the songwriter and lead singer and guitarist and all this cool stuff for Adult Mom, which is their band, uh, which is an amazing band and you have to listen to them. They're so good. Um, but yeah, Steph came on. We talked about music. They told me all about these theories about the scoring and stuff like that. It was really really fun and I think that you are going to have a blast listening to it uh as always I like to just do a quick little shout out that if you haven't yet subscribed I'd love that if you haven't written a nice little review on apple podcasts I would also love that and uh also that my twitter is at and silverberg and if you have any thoughts about grays you can always tweet them at me um and that if they are in some way relevant to the show i'll bring them up and if they're not i just put them in a little document for when they do become relevant isn't that gorgeous um yeah without further ado let's just get into the app hello and welcome to another episode of nicole's gray's anatomy i am so excited to be here. It's it's a Tuesday night and we're here to talk about music and grays with adult moms, Steph Knight. I'm so happy. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Ah, I mean, so little like behind the scenes, which is that this is our first time meeting in yeah. real life, but, but I've liked your music so much. And then, um, 
And then my boyfriend Branson was like, adult mom <laughs> listens to your podcast. That's so fucking cool. And I was like, I agree. And then I was so happy that you agreed to come on to talk about the music and the show. That makes me actually like elated inside. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so happy. I feel the same way. So the question that I just want to ask you to start is what what is your Gray's journey? Okay. I mean, I feel like it's pretty similar to a lot of people. I started watching in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I maybe like saw a couple episodes before then. But yeah, I started in high school and this was like right when Netflix started to stream. Mm-hmm. I specifically remember like it was like the beginning of me watching shows in my bed. Yeah. You know, now forever. I do it all the time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who would have known that back then what we thought was a phase was really just a lifestyle? <laughs> Truly. And yeah, and then I I I stopped watching okay. at the musical episode. That's it was my breaking fair. point. Yeah. <laughs> you you had inklings before then that you might be done. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But you know what? Okay, I took. I was like, you know what? I, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, but I returned like six months later. Oh, picked back up where you left off. Yeah. What brought you back? I just said to myself, you know, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it up. It's like you know what? Suck it up. I just was really hard on myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So when you started watching, I mean, is. What's your relationship to the show? Is it just something you watch? Is it an obsession? What like what's what's your level of you know, wh- where are you at these days? I would confidently say that it is like a key part of my personality. Me too. <laughs> I mean, so can glad. you believe that? But I we have a Grey's Anatomy <laughs> theme podcast that's so a key part of my personality. Um, how so? Okay, like so yeah, I've been watching it for a long time and it has become this like cult thing just for me, like a private thing yeah. because none of my friends care <laughs> and now like a few of them do but yeah it's become such like a secretive like private thing that I watch so constantly like when I feel bad yeah that it's like a comfort mm-hmm. now so yeah do you do a lot of rewatching? yeah yeah me too I find the rewatching to be like I think when I was watching it for the first time through, it was like this is a TV show that I really like, but it's in the rewatching that I was like, this is my personality. Mm-hmm. Not just that you pick up on more things as you go on, but just that it becomes very it's very comforting. It's mm-hmm. like listening to music that you like. You're like, oh, I love this part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like the arcs really become like things that you remember, like in your life, like yeah, like walking down the street, and like I feel like I remember like lines in the mm-hmm. show, like just randomly, and I'm like, oh, this is like really embedded in my brain. Yeah, are there characters that you super identify with or like, or who do you like and who do you not like? <laughs> is what I'm really asking. <laughs> um, okay, one of my favorite characters is Callie. Yeah. Yes, I love her. I love that. Um, like I am bisexual and like seeing that on screen was super important for me, especially yeah. like as a teenager watching that. Did you know that you were bi when you were watching Callie figure out that she was bi? No, which is so cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. yeah I, I've i actually gotten a lot of tweets from uh, listeners who are like, you've got to do a Callie episode. Um <laughs> And someone's just got to, you know, freaking step up and want to do it. But I just, there's just so much with Callie. I, it, it's so weird because when you meet her, she's a totally different version of the character than the one that I think most people end up sort of falling in love with and yeah. like becoming super devoted to. 
But I don't know. I love all the stuff with Kelly's dad. Me too. I that's that's one of my favorite arcs. It's such a realistic arc too. Yeah. Like I I mean there's like some issues with her coming out I feel a little bit of like it sometimes feel like feels like that oh out of nowhere she's like queer. Yeah. Which is a fair thing to criticize. I mean I don't really care that much about that. But yeah, the way that she comes out to her dad and the way that he comes around eventually is so so sweet. Yeah. I well I love okay, I love Arizona's speech. Where she's like, I'm a good man in the storm. That's like one of the best like shondalogs, I think, of yes. the whole series. But what what's I think what's really interesting about Arizona coming as a character kind of I think partially like designed to eventually be a partner to uh to Callie is that like Callie figures out that she's queer by having a like a relationship with a friend and then being like like everyone else knowing before she does that something else is going on. And like also Erica Hahn doesn't know that she's gay. And like the conversations that they have later down the line where it's like, well, Callie isn't a, like a quote, like real lesbian and that's a problem for Han and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I really like that arc, but it's very cool to then pair Callie with someone who's like, I'm out. I've been out for a long time. I've been in relationships before. I don't want to teach someone how to be queer. Mm -hmm. I just want someone who's like at my level and ready to be there. And I don't really like I wish you all the best on your journey, but I don't really want to like coach you through queerness. And I think that that like that to me kind of like retroactively corrects some of the things that I think are kind of a little funky about (laughs) Kelly's coming out because it seems like they almost are like acknowledging like, we know, we know. We like brought in the first queer character by just like having her not know that she was in love with her best friend who didn't know that she was in love with her. Like yeah. we we know. <laughs> <laughs> but I I end up I I ended up like loving I loved it more in retrospect when I was like I realized what she was bringing to the relationship with Arizona. But I don't know. It's it t- it takes all kinds in the Grey's Anatomy universe. It does. You got it. <laughs> Everything is with a grain of salt. Yes. Yes. That is true. Are you still watching? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm caught up. I find that I find that to be increasingly true mm-hmm. in these like oh, yeah. social <laughs> like social justice themed episodes that are really ambitious and when you think about how many millions of people watch Grey's every week and not all of them live in like these really diverse urban like you know cultural yeah centers where everyone watches like prestige tv and stuff like that like you're like okay that's that's really valid but sometimes you're like okay that's a real real reductive version of like what yeah police brutality is yeah well they do these like psa episodes yes yeah did you like the um like that the the episode of this past season the one with um joe like knowing knowing instinctively to line the halls with Mm. women to support a sexual assault survivor. Yeah, I, I think I get it. Like, yeah. it's important. Like, it's a good <laughs> way to tell that story. And I like how it wasn't, like, super exploitive because that's a thing. Yeah. But I personally, I was like, oh, I would not want that to be. That's how I felt. Me. I was like, I would hate that. I, I guess the thing that I liked about it the most was something that I didn't realize was revolutionary, which is that they portrayed the 
uh, the process of getting a rape kit done. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that was like, like I ended up reading after the fact that they were like, that was a fight. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that was a fight. My bar was too high for what ABC like will and won't do. If that if it was a fight for them to be like, this is what a cotton swab has to look like, which was like a legitimate argument that they had. I was like, oh, I I was expecting too much out of what a network drama could do. That's fair. I I always forget that layer that it's a network primetime drama. Yes. And that like. That for every plot line that they have that's, like, tackling, like, a, quote, progressive issue, they get a bunch of, mm-hmm. like, angry YouTube comments from people being like, don't try to shove politics down my throat. I'm just <laughs> trying to watch some hot doctors have sex at work, which, by the way, doesn't happen doesn't anymore. Happen anymore. I'm no on the, 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 Reddit, work. the Reddit boards. You are? It's, oh my gosh, what's happening there? Okay, it is like probably the most embarrassing thing that I engage with on a daily basis mm. because it is like um it, it is horrifying. <laughs> the it's just like people I my favorite thing about it is people will post things like I can't wait for someone to be brutally murdered tonight. Like I'm <laughs> waiting for someone to die. Yeah. Like it's so vicious. Right. Cuz it's like people who have the long view of the series who are like it's been a while since we had a death. <laughs> Which is it's true. true, and you know I'm praying for Owen to go. Yeah, <laughs> it's his time. It's oh his time. But yeah, you get you get a ton of people on the Reddit boards being like, "When did this show become so political?" <laughs> Real, oh, so even on Reddit, that's like a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I okay. So someone actually just tweeted at me before I came here about a a Reddit thing, and I. I had questions about it, and now I realize that I can ask you. Okay, this is from at Twituba. (laughs) Just spent some time on the Grey's Anatomy Reddit and discovered that people often refer to the original five interns as magic. Is that, do you think that's how you say it? And M A G I C, which I've never put together Meredith, Alex, George, Izzy, Christina. Mm -hmm. Magic. There's no way that was done on purpose, but also it Chanda might have done that on purpose. Might have, yeah. Wait, okay. Are there any other like Reddity thing? Because I'm obsessed with that. Well, there's like memes where like, okay, what's his name? Oh my god, Bailey's husband, Warren. Ben Warren. Don't worry. I've <laughs> I only know his name because I had a crisis a little while ago where I could not for the life of me remember his name, and I was like, it'll come to me. And then days passed, and I was like, what is his name? It's all Ben Warren. But yeah, he's on an episode of Friends. He's like a cameo, I think, as a firefighter. Wow, which is heavy and loaded. <laughs> but people will like. There's like every week someone will post that picture and be like, OMG, like Ben Warren. And like people will come and be like, uh, take a shot because someone posted the Ben Warren cameo on Friends, whatever the actor's name is. Oh, that I could not tell you. Yeah. Do you watch Station 19? Absolutely not. Okay, but I refuse. We might have to start. Have you seen this new this news? I love to bring in current events on Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> kind of what's happening. And and with all of the Ellen Pompeo news, mm. I think this just got overlooked. But Krista Vernoff, who is the showrunner for Grey's Anatomy, is now also the showrunner for Station 19, which for those of you who work in TV, you understand that that's absolutely bonko. Like that, that's that job, like that, how can one do that job once at once, let alone twice at once. 
That's the right way to say that. (laughs) Because a showrunner is essentially the person who is like the CEO of the show. They are in in charge of all of the executive function of the show, the planning, the scheduling, all of the hiring. They oversee all of that, but they also oversee all the creative stuff. So it's like Christopher Ernoff is the head writer as well. So she's in the writer's room. She's helping to figure out, you know, the uh, the season arc and making assignments and doing edits. And then she's in the editing room and she's on set and she's doing all of these things. It is more than a full-time job. You're doing mm-hmm. it a billion hours a day. So to do that for two shows is... I would say suspicious and my suspicious suspicions were confirmed when basically they said that they're putting her in charge of station 19 in order to facilitate more crossover episodes so that every Thursday night it is essentially like two hours of the same show. So first you watch Grey's and then you watch station 19 and the, and the characters flow freely between the two shows and that by her being in charge of both, it's like blending the two shows together. Thoughts? Uh, I just want to say one thing. I hate to see that. Yeah. And, yeah, and you hate it. to see it. <laughs> I also hate to see it. And all the previous crossovers that they've done between Station 19 and Grey's, I have not watched the Station 19 half. And in fact, when I'm watching the Grey's half where Station 19 characters are in it, I've thought, who cares? I agree. It's to me, it feels oppressive yes <laughs> i'm like why do i need to watch another also i people hate station 19 on, on the reddit boards. on the reddit boards and also hate krista they hate krista, they hate krista. i think that krista gets a lot of hate yeah which is yeah i don't know i mean i don't think that when krista tr- I, I feel i consider myself to be a, a gray super fan but i did not think that the quality dipped at all when krista became in charge but it's it people love to have someone to blame that's what i'm yeah yeah there everyone else you know you don't see people blaming zoanne clack no but she's been there since day one <laughs> and if you maybe she's maybe she's at fault we don't know maybe it's her fault <laughs> maybe, maybe it's dr zoanne clack's fault <laughs> i i love to think about zoanne i is she the, the like the medical advice she is yeah i think now there's more than one okay but yeah from the beginning that's like who she's been it's it's incredible to me. I'm very inspired by her. She also is like, does a lot of negotiating for the writers' union, and so oh. I see her name on a bunch of. Yeah, there's like a current writers' guild battle with um, agencies, and Zoanne Clack is part of the the negotiating, uh, uh, not board like team. Mm-hmm. And I'm so appreciative to Dr. Zoanne Clack because you. You got to love an agent. Uh, you got to love it. Not an agency. A union. Wow. Yeah. Slip of the tongue there. <laughs> um, OK. So you love Callie. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, what, who are other faves or, or not faves? I love I love to hate. So I want to talk about people I don't mm-hmm. like. I don't like a lot of people actually on this show. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I mean, OK, I, it's been done to death. But Owen is to me a, hor- a horrifying man. Did you always hate him? Yes. <gasps> See that? That's that's a little rarer. Some people yeah. just grew to hate him, but you knew, you you knew. I hated him day one. Like when he comes in and pulls the icicle out, mm-hmm. I was like, not cute. I don't like it. He's very gruff. He's so aggressive. Yeah. 
why is he he must be like a Scorpio or something I don't know oh yeah I don't know though Scorpios have a little bit more of like an enticing sexual energy and I don't I don't know he just he's like a Virgo gone wrong (laughs) I mean and Virgos already have gone wrong just by default but like he's like a Virgo oh maybe like a Virgo Leo cusp that would do it oh yeah I uh, hate to see that. I hate to see that. Yeah, I I hate Owen. Mostly because, okay, like the one thing that I love about the show is how well they portray like emotional abuse. Yeah. Um, And like they show it really well with Preston Burke and they show it really well with Owen. And like that, like Christina, it it is, of course, it's always happening to Christina, Mm -hmm. but she like defends herself so well. which like it's it's so intense, but yeah, yeah like t- to me, like Owen is like super emotionally manipulative. Yes, like constantly. That's so true. I've never really thought of of Burke as being emotionally abusive, but he is. Yeah. There's a lot of like withholding of mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really sad that. I mean, Christina's drawn to characters of authority because mm-hmm. she is so. Um, powerful and and superior to like her peers like ambition wise and intellectually that I'm not surprised that she like as a character really craves people who feel superior to her in some way so that she just like mm-hmm. can take a break oh, yeah. but yeah but then you also just think like who's the type of person who then thinks that they've got something to you know to teach Christina. That's that's a bad. My my I think the biggest misstep of Grey's Anatomy, and this is a bold statement, is to say that Christina should have been a lesbian from the beginning. Yeah. And she has so much gay energy, like pilot episode. Like I rewatched. I, I was like, oh my God. I mean, she has like a leather duster too. It's like yeah. they don't even let straight people buy that. <laughs> you can't It's true. <laughs> As a gay, I it's true. <laughs> the like alarm goes off when you try to leave the store. Yeah. They're like, "Ma'am, where's your wife?" <laughs> yeah, that I I wonder if that ever. I mean, I think because she was a proxy for Shonda in some ways mm-hmm. that maybe it just she didn't even consider it. But I do agree mm-hmm. that she has like a strong. She has a strong. I don't want to fuck men. Energy <laughs> so strong, <laughs> and like it's not. That she's super sexual towards women or like even flirtatious. She's like not flirtatious with women. But she's not flirtatious with anyone. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, she is a butch top. Like, uh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> would be like a character on the L word. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see that crossover. <laughs> mm, it could happen. It won't. But it won't. But what if it could? Someone's written a fan fiction. <laughs> that is definitely true. And as... The resident Reddit expert, you've got to scour the boards and find it. There's got to be some link somewhere from like eight years ago on the Crazy Anatomy Reddit where someone's like, okay, so I've been working on a thing. <laughs> I'm like really nervous to share this, but. There is so much um, Amelia, Arizona uh, fan fiction. Really? So much. That would have been great. Would have been great. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, I'm just like thinking about how actually. <laughs> For all of the stuff that has happened to Amelia, there is really a lot of like untapped potential. Do you do you like Amelia? Love her. Yeah, me too. I'm like obsessed with her. Pre-tumor though, and also immediately post-tumor, I really didn't. 
That's and then fair. I thought it was so crazy that she had a tumor and that they were like, well, the reason why you hate her is because she had a tumor. That was her real personality. <laughs> we don't know what her real personality yeah, is. I, I hate like, it. What? <laughs> and they're like, this is why she's an addict. I was like, is this allowed? <laughs> Are you allowed to just swipe, like wipe a character's <laughs> slate clean and just be like, yeah, I, she was, her brain was all scrambled. Well, they do it often on, on this show. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Arizona... I miss more than any character that's departed since Christina. That's fair. Yeah. I loved, I loved Arizona. I, I don't really like, um, she, who was the one, she was the one who was dating the older DeLuca, right? Oh yeah. I got fuzzy for a second. What's her name? Karina. 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 What a pointless character, in my opinion. No, but you don't understand. She's like a gyne- gynecologist who like um, likes sex. She's horny. She's horny. She's a horny gynecologist. She's like, oh, but then Amelia did say she was like, I masturbated for Karina because oh, I yeah. had a crush on her. She said it like in the finale. Oh, yeah. I kind of glossed over that. But like, there- that's insane. Like, that's an insane line. Yeah. What are you thinking is going to happen with Teddy and Owen in season 16? Do you think they're going to be together? Or do you think that there's a God? I, okay, my fantasy is for Teddy to be like, no, like, screw you. I'm like done with this, like, like a million percent. And then like Owen like dies tragically. <laughs> and yeah. then Teddy like gets together with Amelia. And then they like raise the, what's the baby's name? Leo. Yeah. That'd be great. Wait, that's work. really good. I would love that. That doesn't feel impossible. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. Ever. Nothing's impossible in <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> the dreams yeah. are made of. I'm trying to think. What were the cliffhangers? Oh, yeah. Meredith going to jail. No. For those of you who are not caught up, there's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of season 15, which is that Meredith committed insurance fraud for... A child of, I mean, I'm already starting to get dizzy. A child of an illegal immigrant needed a health, I needed a surgery. And so she put the name of her daughter on the insurance forms because her daughter has insurance. And then she got caught. And then her boyfriend, Andrew DeLuca, was like, I did that and went to jail. And then Meredith was like, I love you. And I did it. And then it ended the season with her being like, I have to tell the police what I did, which is also it's so funny to be like, yeah, just tell the, you know, the local police yeah. that you committed insurance fraud. I'm sure that they'll really they'll handle that perfectly. I always thought about that. Like, when, like, how do you turn yourself in? Yeah. You just like go to the police station. You're like, I committed a crime. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I was just wondering if I could speak to someone about the crime I committed. It's like a paper crime. It's 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 it's, a, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a federal I committed a federal crime. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Season 16. The, I don't know. I'll probably bring in a firefighter because that's what station is on station 19. Firefighters. <laughs> oh my God. They had, this, they had that crossover episode towards the end of the season where there was a firefighter who was like, I'm dating this person. Uh. And all the other firefighters were like, what? <laughs> And then as an audience member, I was like, I, I don't, I don't know who care. any of these people are. I don't know who stayed it. What? I don't care. Why is this happening to me? I wish I cared. Yeah. 
Oh, I wish I cared. That is the slogan for like 50%. Do you like, sorry, one last. Do you like Joe mm-hmm. and Alex? Joe and or Alex, um, Joe and Alex. I love, love Alex. Yeah. Or like love his arc. Yes. Love his growth. Um, I really, I'm, I'm rewatching right now and I'm like at the part where like Joe's introduced and I love her when she's introduced. Yeah. I feel like she I has. I need to rewatch that. Yeah, it's good. Like she has so much about her that's so interesting. Um, and like there's a scene where like Alex and her get like wasted at Bailey's wedding and like oh. steal that guy's room and like drink all the alcohol like in this like random man's hotel room. It's really sweet. Aww. But there's like all these cool moments that I like. But now I'm like worried for them. But I am actually so glad that they showed the the arc of her going to get psychiatric care. Yes. Yeah. For those of you who aren't caught up, Joe went to go find her birth mom mm-hmm. and found out that her birth mom had like given her up as a baby because she had been the product of rape. It's very depressing. It's, yeah. And Joe kind of understandably is devastated by this information and goes into a depressive spiral that no one can help and it lasts i mean on the sh- in the world of grays i think it lasts weeks in the world of like our world of watching week to week it lasts months <laughs> i mean it was like it was probably like two and a half months worth of episodes yeah. at least where just she was like depressed or drunk or not working or just and wouldn't tell anyone and finally she told meredith what was going on and meredith like encourages her to reach out and the end of the season ends with her checking into an inpatient psychiatric facility that is a really good move yeah I love I mean I actually really like how they did that arc I think it's super realistic and I don't think I've I I haven't cried in a long time like watching the show and I Mm -hmm. cried so hard when Meredith is in bed with her. Yeah. It's so intimate and sweet. Yeah. And just the way that they kind of thread like, you know, (laughs) Meredith, bless you. you. Our (laughs) producer, Andrew, had a bit of a sneeze. Honestly, how dare you? (laughs) Sneezing in in a moment where we're honoring Meredith. I mean, it's a way of paying respect. You're subverting expectations, and that's what Dr. Gray does. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I love, I loved that too because also, like Meredith, Meredith talks to her about her own like suicidal ideations that she had back in season three, yeah. and it's very rewarding as a longtime viewer to be like, God, that was twelve years ago. Yeah, um, yeah, I. I guess at first I kind of felt like there wasn't really they hadn't really laid track for Joe to have any depressive episodes like we know that Joe has been through a lot and that she's had dark times like in her marriage and her homelessness as as a like a teenager but mm-hmm. uh the way that they always kind of did it was like I went through hell and I came out the other side and I'm stronger now and I'm not going back and yeah. that's like a very uh, it's a very, it's like, it's a very like impressive stance, but, but I don't know. I just, I never had the indication that she had had any type of rock bottom or that she had any, like they kind of point towards some like substance issues, like mm-hmm. how she's kind of using alcohol to um, numb yeah. the pain. And I don't know. I, I guess I just feel like knowing 
what I do about like mental illness. Mm -hmm. It's it's not like super. I mean, obviously you can have like an event happen to you, but she's had many events. Mm -hmm. It's not super common for like in your late Mm twenties, the very first wisps of like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, for, for depression to hit you like a train for the very first time with no prior episodes and nothing to indicate that like it, it not doesn't tend to be how your brain chemicals work. However, once I accepted that we were like in it, I was like, yes, this is very accurate because she literally cannot be talked out of it. And it's mm-hmm. not a choice. Mm-hmm. She's just like, this is what's happening right now. And I appreciated that. And I also appreciated that it was like, <sighs> people have dealt with mental illness in various ways on the show. And I liked that the show didn't suggest that because you've dealt with it yourself or because you've dealt with someone who has that you can fix anyone it was like no this is a job for a medical professional yeah and for like sustained treatment not like a weekly (laughs) therapy session Mm -hmm. as owen underwent and then after the first one he was like i remember the day my dad died we're like oh did you hate it (laughs) that's convenient yeah didn't love it (laughs) i mean like i was like oh this is cool they're showing like this cool like trauma therapy yes very cool yes i have friends who have done that exact like oh cool oh yeah like that eye movement that's awesome yeah it's it's um very effective Mm -hmm. it takes time yeah (laughs) it's like quite a bit of time as like trauma like it's like undoing like talking about trauma is not just like a one and done right also the people i know who go to trauma therapy go to on top of their regular therapist Mm -hmm. they go to a regular psychotherapist and then they have a trauma therapist who they go to where they do like eye movement stuff it's it's supplemental to complementary even to their regular therapy regimen yeah uh, I I started off loving it because I was like the fact that Owen was like oh yeah it's like any other disease mm-hmm. I stopped treating my trauma and it came back mm-hmm. like you have to you have to keep working at it mm-hmm. otherwise you won't like stay better that's you can't just like cure yourself right but then that exact thing happened <laughs> later in the episode where he remembered the day his dad died Uh which is like for me, I'm like that's Grace doesn't usually do it like that. No, they don't. They do such a good job at. I mean, the therapy. Mer- I I know that you love Meredith's therapy arc, and I do. Guilty. I love it so much. <laughs> yes, but like I love Christina's like arc, like mm-hmm. after the plane crash, and like I feel like they do that pretty well. Yeah, and so I'm like, what is why? I feel like they're just. I don't know. Maybe they just like need to get things out really quickly now. For yeah, some reason. I don't know. Oh, okay. I think now is a good time for us to transition to talking about the theme of this episode yeah. that you chose, which is the music of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, what made you want to choose this as your theme? Uh, well, okay. I am a musician. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, and I I think that the soundtrack was super formative to me as a songwriter. Really? Yeah. I feel like I heard, it was like the first time I heard Tegan and Sarah. <gasps> yeah. Yes. I, that's exactly. I just guessed because I wrote that down. <laughs> so much Tegan and Sarah. Early so on. much, and the the first song that they play in the pilot is uh, "Portions for Foxes." Yeah, "Portions for Foxes." Yeah, it, which is Rilo Kylie is like my favorite band. Yeah. Um. 
so for me, like, and I, they've showcased so many women mm-hmm. songwriters and female artists on the show that I, I think it was the first time I really heard like a breadth of female songwriters. Yeah. In one sitting. And also, like, obviously, there's so many women on the show already yeah. running this. Sh- it was, yeah. So for me, it, it's important personally. Were you writing music in high school when you started watching the show? No. But I started writing in college. Okay. And so I was still, yeah, watching. Yeah. I mean, of yeah. course. That's that's so cool. Um, okay, we're you selected some clips. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at them in a second. First, we're just going to take a quick break. Uh, for an ad, and then we're going to be right back. Hello, we're back. Oh my gosh, and we have some clips to get into with music moments. Well, what what went into, what were the criteria for you of selecting these, these music moments? So I wanted to find like the iconic moments of the show that resonate with me, but also where the music really feels like the score. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, that's so cool. Okay, perfect. So this first moment that you have is probably like a top five mm-hmm. musical moment on the show when people think about Grey's music, which is the bomb in the body cavity episode when uh, with Anna and Alex breathe parentheses 2 a.m. Or is it the other way around? 3 a.m. parentheses breathe. That might be right. I don't know. 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you know, all this information <laughs> was in front of me moments ago, and I could have looked at it, but instead <laughs> I didn't, and I thought, I'll remember what it's called. And kind of here we are. Okay, uh, let's, let's watch the clip. And I will say, we're starting the scene, like, this song has been playing, we, we've been volleying between Bailey giving birth, uh, Derek with a patient, and Meredith with the bomb in the body cavity taking it out to give to Kyle Chandler. If you only touch it Oh my god, she just let go of the bomb. Uh, walking away. 
way that her head hits the floor is really upsetting. Yeah. Like it's not like they she really hurts herself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Her performance in that, just the way that her eyes are just welled up with tears and she's so scared. Oh, what an incredible moment. Okay. Tell me what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what it means musically. What's happening? <laughs> well, okay. Like they're so good with lyrical cues on this show. Yes. But the, the part that makes me like get chills is when she, uh, who Burke or no, she's taking the bomb out of yes. the, uh, out of the body. And then the lyric is, it's no longer inside of me threatening the life it belongs to. That's so crazy. I didn't even notice that. I was feeling more like I was noticing more when I was watching it kind of with the music in mind, like rhythmically that mm-hmm. like the cues of like when verses end and start and like different phrases like are really synced up with the movement like when it transitions from her hand to Kyle Chandler's Mm -hmm. and you know those kind of moments are like like choreographed almost it's so choreographed yeah it's really it's really cool it's also so funny because like that song was not a lot of these songs I think didn't have like a huge life before being on Mm Grey's, but that was like a huge hit oh yeah and it's kind of cool to like take a song that is a radio hit that's has no like nostalgic value it's mm-hmm. still kind of new and have it be this massive underscore um of like several really big moments yeah i didn't even think about that that's so true it, it would it would like i don't i don't think that like it's kind of a risk to yeah. have a song that a lot of people already know and have know the words to and stuff. Like mm-hmm. by the time I saw this episode, I was like, oh, I know every word to this song. I've yeah. heard it a million times. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Actually, I think that's so cool because it is such, well, what is, what year is this? Like 2006, 2005? This episode? Um, It's end of season, middle of season two. So it probably was like early 2007. Oh, no, 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Like music is in such a weird place where like this song would be a hit yeah on the radio which is like would never happen now at all right you know which i that's why i love is like this era of grays like is so in the culture yes yeah it's very yeah no it's it's it has like one leg in like radio like hits and then one other leg in like guitar driven indie like (laughs) singer songwriter stuff yeah, you know what song I was I was trying to think about? It's a song that makes me think of Grace, but I couldn't like visualize the exact moment was um Ramalama Bang Bang. Do you know that song? <laughs> no. Okay, I'm gonna play it just because, you know, that's that's what this episode is about. This is a song that is in like a season two episode where like a bunch of stuff is happening, like Burke and Christina are like fighting. I looked up today exactly what's happening in it because I was like, what is Is this the one with all the weird noises in the beginning? I, I, I'll uh, see. maybe I'll it's the song. Yeah. <laughs> like, this was also in that same season. And I, the song makes me think of Grace. Yeah. Bum, 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 Yeah. This to me is like a quintessential, like, Grey song. It's like, it's a song, all right. Oh, it's a song. People are like, 
taking off their scrub tops. And yes. Like, yeah. This is like such a typical vibe. <laughs> and it's like this voice, this vocal quality, very great. Very great. Did Grace invent the the vine with the I have welcome to my kitchen vine? Oh. <laughs> I'm not explaining this well. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, no, Grace. No, that's canon. Great, Grace. Grace created the stage for that. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, it is so funny that like through doing like shondalogs and stuff on the show, it, mm-hmm. it is there are certain qualities, just like a vibe that it's like they're like there are some big umbrella vibes that a lot of music falls into, mm-hmm. and early on. Before there had been so many episodes that some of it felt like data, mm. it was like you. It was like, what are they? How are they finding this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, uh, like, how are they pairing this together? The music supervisor for the show is so she smart. She is iconic. Wait, what's her name? Her name is Alex Pitsavas. Oh yes, she did the mu- She does the or did the music supervision for the OC. And did she Gossip really? Girl and the Twilight Saga. I don't know that people know that she did it for OC too, because mm-hmm. Grace ta- Grace is talked about often in the same breath as the OC as being like a like where a TV soundtrack was like a culture making mm-hmm. moment. I didn't know that she also did that. That's so cool. It's so cool. And the Twilight Saga. I mean, those. Yeah. I, I I I missed I missed that as a thing to be into. But I yeah, me too. But those soundtracks were also a big deal. I think definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That's wild. I wonder what what quality that is in your brain that makes you so good, not just a, at pairing a song to a moment mm-hmm. dramatically, but like, and emotionally, but just knowing what the zeitgeist wants. Mm-hmm. That's such a, that's such a cool skill to have. She is like so fascinating. And like, she's, I like watched an interview with her where she talks about like how she picks the songs for Grace specifically Mm -hmm. and she says that like her and Shonda sit down at like the beginning of every season and like kind of create like the mood that that they want to like portray and like I think she said like when she interviewed for the pilot Shonda was told her that she wanted the music to be the score yeah like during surgery and all that stuff and Alex the music supervisor was like how or what like that doesn't make any sense how are we going to like play like indie rock while people are doing surgery? Yeah. It's like ha- it hadn't been done on any, especially on a medical drama. That's so crazy that I, I would have never realized that that was unprecedented in some way. Yeah. Whoa, that's really cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that she had those other jobs and I didn't know that that was that that was something new that they were doing because the there is music playing in almost every moment of the show. Mm-hmm. There is not a lot of of dead air. And it that makes it so interesting, too, because when they don't have music playing, it's super intentional. Yeah. Like the space that they give. Ugh, They've really art. had a decline in the actual scored music mm-hmm. in the last several seasons. That That really typical, like... This is a joke moment. We, no one's going to die like that music. It's like bum, 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 bum. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is like that. That music. And then like obviously the Derek and Meredith theme hasn't been played Oof. a very long time. But the, you know, those used to be really like linchpins of the musical yeah. life of the show. 
Okay, your next clip that you have is, ooh, we recently played this this clip on the show um, for a completely different reason, but it's when Meredith has her panic attack mm. when she um, when she realizes that um, she doesn't want her mom to die alone. Um, okay, let's. This is season. This is also season two. Uh, let me pull it up. I'm <laughs> 
good. It's so interesting because it the song is playing when you come back from commercial. Like it just mm-hmm. it like the, the this is something that I've noticed in a lot of the clips that you pulled is that the song that that it's not just a section of the song. They really let a song like play out for a period of time and kind of set a tone and you kind of understand the song to be a certain thing and then and then they like with the bomb mm-hmm. it's like by that time the song has been playing for such a long time you never even consider that it that anything could disrupt it and then when the bomb goes off it's like a very mm-hmm. like jarring moment and with this it's like you see like a baby get born and you see a woman die and you mm-hmm. see like this like so, like, much, so, happens. so much happens before and kind of this climactic moment with Meredith and Derek that really makes me cry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's so good. <laughs> like it's so good, and it because okay that scene to me it I, to me that's like my one of my favorite scenes of all time on the show. Yeah, and like there's all these external like tragedies happening, and a beautiful thing a baby being born, and then there's like this smallest intimate moment between the two of them. And they're also, at this point, not together. Right. There's so much tension. Yes. And, like, the song, like, it changes into that chorus yes. as soon as they touch hands. Right. And that's when I was like, <gasps> Yeah. No, that's a, ah. I know. Well, and the first time that it goes into the chorus is, like, right after the older woman mm-hmm. has died. And, like, the friends, like, kind of have this moment together. Yeah. That song is really really beautiful and is the same artist who sings that song when Meredith and Derek have sex in the all on call room Oh, uh, at the end of season two. And I wonder if that is some sort of like thematic bookend or just a coincidence, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like they would do that on this show. Do that. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I had really forgotten about that scene until Shayna brought it up mm-hmm. um, in her episode. And I have thought about it a lot since that mm-hmm. it's just very, I don't know, as a writer, I, I just, I wish I, 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 I wonder if I would have thought to write that moment. Yeah. It's like a very, I, I mean, it's just the way it's performed is like also just exceptional on Pompeo is so good so good she's so talented and I also I feel like sometimes like the music like I think you said this like it feels like its own character yeah and when there's like a female voice singing I kind of envision it to be Meredith's like inner mono (laughs) or like yeah that makes sense though especially with like the fact that there's actual voiceover Mm -hmm. um that Meredith does. Wait, that's such an interesting like, like uh, read in the, in the words of Chris Murphy. The, <laughs> that that the that Grace is a text. I studied uh, media studies. Yes, so. you're qualified. I'm qualified. You're qualified. Okay, next clip. Yeah. This is. I'm having so much fun. Me too. I also feel like I'm learning. Okay, <laughs> next clip is. Oh, you know what? I was wrong. It's not the artist that is the same for this song. It's the next song, Kate oh. Havnevik. Yes. She has the song that okay. is the same one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of forget what I was saying before about the bookend thing because that's not true. But what a nice idea, right? <laughs> okay, this I this moment is crazy 
good. And I have never noticed the music in it before, so I'm really excited. Yay. This is this is in the episode where who you later find out he's an intern at Mercy West. Uh, he something has happened like after a really long shift and he crashes his car into like a family of Southerners. Yeah. And like, is the dad's name like Big John or something, something like, like that? Like, uh, like Papa. Or yes. <laughs> yeah. He, we'll just call him Papa. Yeah. He, so it's like the pregnant daughter, her husband, mm-hmm. and then like the Southern Belle mother mm-hmm. and this like big man and the the baby lives but the pregnant the mother papa's daughter Mm -hmm. dies and the intern is like devastated and you later find out that he had some type of a brain thing happen Mm -hmm. it wasn't that he was just tired and fell asleep at the wheel and he wants to apologize and this is this is the scene where the dad agrees to let him apologize and co- and comes into the room to be apologized to. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, here we go. These are all so intense. <laughs> I know, but it's so good. Nowhere high, go nowhere warm, until I see a smile and feel your calm. Sorry. But I'm sure you're on your I am sorry. I am so. Yes, I'm sure. So scene it's so theatric yes it's so theatric like he the papa the father like starts to (laughs) and like approach him as the music starts to swell yes and like there's like that drum beat Mm -hmm. that's like 
pulsing and it cuts to like George being worried and it cuts to Meredith being worried like during that of like the tent like the tension in the room yeah and then as soon as he puts his hand on the intern it's like the the first the first part that we heard comes back mm-hmm. oh I know I never thought about the music in that scene before but it's so perfect it's so good and like again lyrically like he like careens into his hand like in a yeah. comforting way and then the lyric is like your hand in mine yeah and it's to me it's like very like I revert to like that's like a I feel like a child yes like when you're sick and you like your mom hugs you like that's what that reminds me yeah. of yeah I've always I've always been really like struck by that image of like uh, of this action of like forgiveness mm-hmm. this wordless action of like gesture of just he puts his huge hand on his shoulder and it's like you know that he's saying like it's not like he could never say the words like it's okay or mm-hmm. I forgive you because his daughter just died but it's like somehow they've done the work that when he puts his hand on the shoulder you like know that he's saying like I know you didn't mean to right it's very it's very smart how it's all how they make it all work grace is so smart it is very smart and this music supervisor is like an artist does she still work for the show do you yeah. know that's crazy mm-hmm. i am mad at her for the one season that was all of the um acoustic covers of songs from the 80s but that was shonda's idea <gasps> okay I it's know. fine then she's <laughs> absolved I like our, just I just read about that. Today. Yeah, our precious music supervisor, who is a hero, did not. It's not our fault. Thank yeah, God. I did. I hated that decision. That yeah, it, it just took me out of it, I which agree. I think that like Grace does such a good job of just layering in the music. Mm-hmm. So it's part of like the texture of the world. And oh, yeah. it, anything that just takes you out of it is like not Mm-mm. not helpful. OK. Number four. Uh, okay, this is this is the YouTube clip, so we'll get straight into it. This is season eight. Bit of a bit of a jump. Do you wanna set set this one up? Oh yeah. So this is when um Henry is undergoing emergency surgery. Mm-hmm. Who uh Christina put is performing and does not know that it is him. Yeah, they like put him on the table and draped him before she came in. Yeah. And he ends up dying. Yep. And then uh Owen reveals to her that it was Henry. Right. So you're going to hear a scene and that's in the OR when she calls time of death and stuff. And Owen and Lexi are in the scrub room and she's like talking to them through and Richard is in the OR Mm -hmm. and everyone knows except for Christina. And there will be a moment when like you only hear music and it's like. Christina has found out and you can't hear what she's saying, but she's like screaming and crying and like hitting owen and it's it, it's certainly worth watch but we're watching it <laughs> okay there's really not so much to tell. She was 29, um time of death 8 52 p.m there was no way to take it out without killing him. And there was no way he could live with it in him for much longer. 
Well, I'll write the op note. Um, but if you can add a few lines um, that make it clear that I didn't come up with a treatment plan, it's a bad outcome, and um, I don't want to take the heat for it on my fifth-year boards. It was Dr. Allman's idea. Oh, hey, um, the tumor eroded right through the pulmonary artery. The guy bled right out. Um, we were done before we started. Is there, um, a family or something we need to, uh, talk to? Someone said they saw her south at the coast on the river's mouth, but only briefly, cause she went quietly, she didn't make a sound, she went quietly with a wish not to be found. She went quietly without a word of where Just a note that wrote forgetting is easier. Secure the umbilical line with extra tape. You need the D. Oh. Sandra O. Yeah, I mean, just watching it is devastating but then i this time listened to the lyrics more and that's brilliant Mm -hmm. because lyrics are she went quietly and she's screaming Mm -hmm. but you can't hear anything Mm -hmm. because she's behind the glass oh i love it yeah i mean that that's so good it's so good and there's also like this breath in the music when they take the uh Mm. the piece of like draping off of Henry's face and you like really see that it was him and that he's dead. Oh, it's, it's the best show that's ever been made, (laughs) I guess is what I really want to say. It's the only good television show that I love. Um, It's too good. Any other thoughts on, on that clippy? I just yeah they're just brilliant like yeah. that's all I have to say it's just brilliant <laughs> oh my gosh okay last one which ob- another maybe like the number one classic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the snow patrol chasing cars mm-hmm. when um when Denny dies and Izzy is is there okay we all know this clip so I'm just gonna play it is it the best Say 
sense why it's so iconic it really does yeah i mean again lyrically lyrically she's like she's laying next to dead denny yes and also like this song like charted after this episode yeah no this was like this this episode like made this song Mm -hmm. which is crazy i love that it's hard to imagine a show being able to do that I guess like kind of. Did you see Russian Doll? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean there was like talk about like mm-hmm. the you know, gotta get up mm-hmm. and Russian Doll, but that's only because it plays like a million times, a hundred <laughs> times throughout the series, and it's and so much of the of the coverage was more about like what made you choose this song, knowing that right. you had to listen to a song a hundred times less than like right, like it was a very self aware coverage as opposed to just being like what's this song yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Again, like expert timing mm-hmm. with the movement, and like it's so I. It's like you it makes you realize how choreographed this show really is. Right. It's a it's a triumph of editing. Mm-hmm. Like the editors are doing extremely uh, thorough and like detail oriented work to be able to pull off. Because you know, in the room. You might not even know what song it's going to end up going to and things like that. Like they're just performing with to silence and it's the editor and the music supervisor that like create these moments, which is really, I don't know. That's, that's one of the things I just think is so incredible about TV. It's Mm -hmm. like, and also weird. It's like, it's not like theater where Mm -hmm. what you're seeing is what everyone is experiencing. Like as an actor and a writer, you just, you have a certain way that you think it's going to go, but it could be completely transformed in the edit. That I love that so much. Yeah. And that speaks to so much about like make like making music in general. It's mm-hmm. like the same kind of thing. And yeah, I I think that like the way that this show has given a voice to a bunch of songwriters that mm-hmm. like did not have big careers right and we're not part of like a cultural zeitgeist or whatever mm-hmm. are now forever a part of yeah. a community is fantastic i'm so curious to know if like tegan and tegan and sarah's like career really skyrocketed i that's exactly who i was just thinking about mm-hmm. too because they're definitely the most played in the first season like in the first several episodes there's like a tegan and sarah episode or song in like every single episode yeah. <laughs> and then obviously there's like the huge moment in season 10 where oh, Christina yeah. and Meredith say goodbye and where's the good go plays. Yeah. Um, oh, I, this, I think before I wanted to say also, this is, I think we were talking about like the artistry of all this. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I find the musical episode so offensive. Yeah. Is because it's like, to me, like the, they use the music already as if it's a musical, right? And and it's so expertly done. And it's like oh, you just took me so far out of the world that I hate it. Yeah, like why? <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. It also is weirdly self-referential. Like I know that some people who like the musical episode were like, "Well, I love how they sing Chasing Cars." I'm like, "Well, I don't. <laughs> I like, don't. Why either. would I like that? That that." I don't want it to be self-referential in that way. No, I don't need that. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So those are clips. I didn't provide any clips because I was like, I just want to hear what Steph has to say. I don't really <laughs> think that I, <laughs> I was, well, cause I wanted to like, I wanted to like give a shout out to, you know, obviously the huge recurrence of, um, of Tegan and Sarah. I wanted to talk about that first moment with portions for foxes, mm -hmm. which we talked about naturally. Um, okay. I chose a song. So got a request from, uh, a listener that was like, you used to do this game in a few of the first episodes where it was like you would play a song and then there would be, you would have uh, the guest guess and I really liked it because it was like we could play along too. And I was like, okay. I thought I was really bad at choosing the songs which is why I stopped doing that. I still think I'm bad at choosing the songs. I chose three songs. I've already mentioned two of them so I'm not going to do those. So that leaves one left which I think is the hardest one. But I'm so who knows? We're going to see if you can remember. So, okay, so... Uh, you know, I will give hints if you like them, but I will play the song that, to be fair, I did check. It made, like, some list of, like, the best moments. So, you know, for some people, this is actually a very notable moment. So, anyway, I've now covered my ass, and this is <laughs> this is a bit of a guessing game of what moment this song played in Grey's Anatomy. in the dark Feathers in the pages Monkeys in my heart Rattling their cages Okay, the hint is the surrounds Found a way to Another ghost to follow Said it's only up to you. Is this George? It's not George's death, but George is the person who is in this shot. Yeah. This is George. Um. Mm. Oh my god. Oh, his dad. Yes. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is when George is making the decision to like unplug his yes. dad and say goodbye. Yeah. Great song. I know. This is Gary Jules of uh of of uh you know the jewels <laughs> no of, of of mad world oh of, uh, mad world fame holy moly because yeah. like you know i i obviously for the, i mean for those of you guys who don't know what i'm talking about he his biggest song certainly like culturally is this song <laughs> it actually hurts to hear that <laughs> 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 Just got to hear him say, sing just a little bit. Did they premiere this in Donnie Darko? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if they premiered in Darko, but yes. Certainly that is like what people know it from. Yeah. I, someone with a lot of culture, know it from a CSI episode. Wow. It, you know, the cold open for CSI is typically like the crime or the setup to the crime. And it usually like... Starts with like some overhead shot of whatever part of Las Vegas, like whether it's the strip or the desert or something like that. And then often there's just a full scene. But there's one cold open where that song plays while like word like, you know, you can't hear anything except for the song. All the action is silent and there are like people partying in a limo. Oh, and I actually hate to beg, but I beg of you, if you know the CSI episode, please tweet at me at <laughs> because because actually 
I am a huge Grey's fan, but the only other show that has like 15 seasons that I've seen every episode of multiple times is CSI Las Vegas, the original. Wow. And I, I love that show. That's a show that Wait, I started. how many seasons? It has 15 Holy seasons. Shit. It ended several years ago. Wow. Final season had Ted Danson <gasps> and Elizabeth Shue. Oh. I mean, that they were in a couple seasons, the last few seasons, but that's... That was the ending lineup in any case. Maybe I'll watch. It's on Hulu. I, I, um, it, one interesting thing is, is like when you t- think about cultural impact, CSI has had like this cultural impact in that there was an uptick of people who wanted to get into forensics and yes. stuff like that, similarly yes. to how Grace has genuinely inspired a generation of women to want to become surgeons, which is love that incredible. I mean, I love it, but it's also crazy. Culture is so powerful. <laughs> I love um, media. I love media. <laughs> and you gotta love media. Gotta love it. Okay, the only thing left to do are shondalogs. Oh. Is this something you're interested in? Million, million percent. Okay, amazing. So, as you know, I mean, as you know more than anyone, uh, this is a this is a musical moment. I uh, I'm out of my personal playlist that I was curating. So I'm going to start doing this hopping around thing again. That's honestly awful. But um, I think it's fun. Thank you so much. Um, okay. Would you like to go first? No. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what happens when I do this. There's no way to know. Okay. How's this song? Mm. It's a good one. When I was a kid, I had this hat. My window show. I wore it every day. I never took it off. Even when I was in the bath, I just wanted to be wearing my hat. It was like embroidered with my name and a little flower. I still have the hat because that's who I am. I save everything. I hold on to objects like they're people with personalities and relationships and I've always been like that because next to the hat I have a lucky penny and a bracelet made out of paper clips and shoelaces and a jacket my parents marriage certificate and all of the stuff that just replaces the things that you're supposed to hold on to, the things that you're supposed to nurture. The hat doesn't fit anymore. I'm not going to have kids. There's no one I'm going to give it to. But that hat, it's more than just a thing. It's me. It's it's part of me. And if you're going to love me, then you have to love my hat and my lucky penny and my paperclip bracelet and my parents' marriage certificate and this whole house because everything in it comes with me. And I'll take your stuff too. 
and then your stuff will become just as important, but not as important as you. Okay, that's the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. I, as I was doing that, I was just like, gosh, I remember this song from Grace, but I, was, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember. It's too many thoughts. I could, but I couldn't remember what it was. I don't it's, either. You know what it's from? You know what I can see in it? I can see Meredith like walking like, yeah. like she's exhausted and she's had a really long day. And like I can see like I can see like snippets from from that. Her like little wobble that she has. Yes. Her we, little wobble. We need to talk about that. She has a wobble. She does. And I love it. She doesn't. Yeah. She, she doesn't walk steady. I don't know why. <laughs> I know. Someone on Reddit you know was like, have, has, have you ever noticed that Meredith walks weird? <laughs> well, it's funny because in that clip that we watched tonight where she goes out to check on Kyle Chandler, she does like wobble her way out to the hallway. <laughs> she wobbles out. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. No, in my mind, there's that wobble. Okay. That was beautiful, by Thank the way. Thank you so much. You know, I think you'll find that you start talking and then you literally go into a fugue state and you I'm cease ready. to have an identity <laughs> and it just completely goes away. And no matter how many episodes I do, I still can't describe what how my <laughs> eyes glaze over when I start doing one of those. It's genuinely scary. Anyway, um, okay. Let's see what song... This is. Nope. <laughs> nope. <sighs> always, always a struggle. No, I can only tell. <laughs> okay, what about this? There are oh. no guarantees okay. in life, not for the present. You think that I'm broken? You think that you could put me back together? Like one of your patients in the OR. Well, I'm not sick. I'm not broken. I'm strong. When I came out to my family on the farm in Ohio, do you know what my father said to me? He said, I don't love you. <laughs> and when I met you, you showed me this side of me that I didn't know before. And you loved me and you cared for me. And now you act like I'm broken. I'm not broken. You're broken. <gasps> that was good fun. Yeah. That was fun. That was I could do that all day. Right? <laughs> You start and you're like, I don't have a game plan for this. And then suddenly you're like, I'm on a farm in Ohio. I was like, is this April Kepner? <laughs> it was it was a beautiful mashup of so many different it, it, it was like it was it was like an ode. It was like we have Meredith <laughs> saying, like, you think I'm broken, so fix me to the therapist. Oh my god, you're right. We have a farm. We have Callie and her baggage with her dad. It just was like it was like a beautiful mashup of all of my favorite moments, except for Kepner, whom I hate. But <laughs> but the sentiment remains. The sentiment is perfect. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was so much fun. Where can people find you? And also, where can people listen to your music? Oh, yeah. Right. Promotion. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. This is 
I feel like this is everything I know. Oh. So it, it, this is all my friends are like, literally, finally, you have someone to talk. Like, it, it, <laughs> it's your expertise. Yes. Yeah. So thank God. Um, but so, yeah, my band is called Adult Mom. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Adult Mom Band. Yes. Uh, and Instagram. We are going on tour soon. Oh, my gosh. Through the Midwest. Oh, yeah. To the to the very farm in Ohio yes, that you described. I'm going to visit it. Oh, my gosh. I That's so great. Um, okay. If you really like this podcast, I hope that you subscribe and rate and review and do all that stuff. Uh, we'll see you next week. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.